1: Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawira Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. I like the Easter break. The Easter break doesn't come with rushing around like a crazy thing. Yeah. So it's sort of like... But are the- you doing... It's sort of like the lockdown that we get we get this moment of of relaxation without required present organising and complicated family arrangements, although we do have complicated family arrangements because half of Timaru is coming to stay.
3: <laughs> and is essential Lucy having an Easter egg hunt?
1: It's her birthday on Sunday.
3: Oh, that's the best day ever. Chocolate so, day, birthday.
1: Yes, so there is a Easter egg party combo. I think it's going to confuse her for quite some time. She's been counting down the days for the party. She can only count to three, so it's been three days for quite a long time. Um, but there will be cake and there will be eggs, and she will expect the two to come together forever. And who are we introducing today?
3: Today it is my great pleasure to introduce who I think might well be our youngest actual guest ever and and actually Eric this is the you are the first guest in the second year of our program so oh, wow. it's my pleasure to welcome you Eric Becker um, and you are I understand a second year student uh, at University of Canterbury originally from Blenheim now in Christchurch and joining us today. From Christchurch. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. So you're in Christchurch. Eric, how's it going there?
0: Um, It's eerily, uh, well, I guess after last year it just feels eerily normal compared to the previous year. I mean, it was only about two weeks ago when our uh, university decided to have an abrupt uh, end of term so it feels like I'm on borrowed time. And I, uh, it seems like everybody else around the university in our year group is feeling the same way. Because this time last year, we were all in our term breaks. Whereas this time, everybody's just uh, and, and we haven't experienced um, a regular university year yet as second year students. So um, we had our, we, we just, fin- we we're just finishing our last assignments and our last tests for the term. So it's a strange feeling.
1: So you were in a hall last year, and you've stayed there despite the fact that they closed and suggested that people leave. But you said, "No, I'm sticking this out."
0: Uh I yeah, I mean, to paint to it that decisively uh, would would uh, not be giving enough credit <laughs> to the bizarre situation I found myself in at the time. Um, I was actually going back to them uh, at the beginning, and then realised that. Um, uh, this, the situation I found myself in, because again, it was all very uh, short notice, everything was, you know, updating on an hourly basis. Um, I had to make a lot of quick decisions and my, my initial decision was to go back to bed and stay with my family. And then I decided to change my mind and stay in Christchurch when I realized that in my particular case, it would have been just completely um unmanageable because i mean the entire hall basically cleared out there weren't that many people left Um, it was quite a manageable bubble we had but um uh no i would have i would have worked as an essential worker um with my uh previous job at a supermarket and um along with both my parents still being employed um my mum being uh, an essential worker in the wine industry, and my dad working from home, and my siblings who are not at school—it um, just seemed like that would have just been. Uh, it would have thrown uh, a gigantic wrench into my into my plans for the upcoming term. Though at that stage, I had not yet discovered that lockdown would extend uh, four <laughs> weeks beyond the end of the, the the holidays as well. So I'm I'm absolutely relieved that i made that decision at the end of the day because in a lot of cases people uh use that time to catch up with their families and so forth but my house would have been a very busy one and i had no idea that i'd have to start um half of the second term of the year doing my subjects in the same situation so i'm very glad i missed that
1: so how was life in the bish bubble
0: (laughs) that's a good question um well, the way we saw it was that it, it, it was the most um you know laughably unthinkable situation you could imagine uh, at the beginning of the year. And uh although it did it was ultimately a positive experience, I'd say, for all of us that were involved, um we never had it happen before and we hoped that it would never happen again.
1: <laughs> so we how did yeah, it how did it work? Were you allowed down for meals
0: or meals on your floor? Yeah. What was
1: the what were the arrangements?
0: It was all very sensible, of course. I mean, we were one step away from having the Ministry of Health manage the halls of residence that were still open in the area. So um I think that just speaks to the fact that the administration we had at Bishop Julius was just running it quite well. Um we didn't have that many people we had like eight people but we still that's still quite a substantial bubble if you include staff and, and so forth but um, uh, well we were given two options at the beginning either um, you decide to you know just obey lockdown rules as a normal person would like you can go to the supermarket and you can go for your runs you can still have that slight risk of contact with the public like uh, everybody else does when managing their lives um, but in that case, you would have to be a bubble of one person, and then you wouldn't be allowed to contact with other people during hours uh, and stuff like that. Uh, or you could treat the entire bubble as one, and we weren't allowed outside of hall uh, to go grocery shopping. We were only allowed under quite strict supervision to go to uh, a field that was adjacent to our hall to do exercise and stuff like that um, at designated times. And other than that, we weren't allowed off the property, which was the one we went for because it allowed us to have um, social contact during lockdown. But, uh, yeah, it it was quite a bizarre experience being uh, essentially stuck in Bishop Julius for eight weeks.
1: And you you were connected, because we are connected now, to your, your family, but also your the new family of of the the people at the hall was it kind of weird being there and not there and home and not home
0: yeah um obviously eight weeks of anything will feel normal by the end but um it was it really did become um a little family uh by the end of it uh there were no massive disasters uh in the in the bubble we had so by the time it all finished up uh we were all really close and to a large extent we're still close so um yeah i mean i guess everybody just adapts given enough time but by then uh just day to day with the social contact of just a few people you do get quite close
1: um, Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Dire Straits' Sultans of, Spring, of Swing. Why this one?
0: Uh, well, I was thinking about it, um, and I realized that uh, just a few weeks ago, I was, at, um, uh, I was, I was out having dinner. Um, must have been late night um, on a Friday or something like that. And then that song came up from a nearby bar. It was a rooftop bar and they had a live cover band and they were playing that song and i like that song but at the same time uh i think that just clicked to me at that point that even at that point in time nearly a year into the the covid pandemic um and uh you know for some countries continuous lockdowns and so forth things are strangely normal in new zealand <laughs>
4: I get to. i
1: Eric, you're telling us about life in the lockdown bubble at Bishop Julius, the Hall of Residence in Christchurch. Eventually, though, everyone came back. Did it feel like you had invaders or were you you welcoming? I I know you were welcoming, but did it feel kind of weird? (laughs) Yeah.
0: It did, because it was like after all that time, we ran the place and then all of a sudden everybody's coming back we had by the end of lockdown nine students and then uh eventually that reached the usual of 160. um it was a very strange feeling i mean of course we we knew them because we spent the first few weeks of the university's year with them but by then we had spent more time in lockdown than we had outside of lockdown with our university experience so um it was a strange feeling being so close to the staff and then realizing all of a sudden that um, we just didn't have a complete monopoly on the entire, um, the entire hall and all of a sudden we had to share.
1: So when did teaching start again? It was a couple yeah, cause they went to because they went to a term break quite quickly, didn't they? And then was it after Easter they came back?
0: yeah it was um pretty much just after easter so we um we stopped two weeks early and then we started um a week late so in effect we just had a week longer um holiday break and then every subject rushed to try and fill in the gap um but most students spent half of lockdown with their full university course loads um and of course because it's the middle of the semester it was really full on for all of them um and they did so in their bubbles at home um uh, with that strange unusual environment and did they
1: move everything to they moved everything to online is that recorded lectures is that the primary thing that you, you had
0: yeah um it was pretty much all online at that point um though it really did reveal some of the um, uh, just just some of the utility in what we had with the university's physical facilities. Um, it did the job, but there were a lot of faults in the system. I uh, think in um, irreconcilable faults, just due to the nature of everything being online and having no physical contact with lecturers and other students. But um, yeah, that was the only way to do it from home.
1: Did they find a way of actually having that engagement or was it pretty much, you know, here's the canned lecture and you kind of had to put up with
0: that? Uh, that um, yeah, Yes and no. Some subjects had um, a decent amount of interaction between students. But that's only really possible with a really small niche subjects. Um I took a few um, papers outside of my degree last year. The ones inside the degree would be the very popular ones of upwards of 500 students. And trying to have uh, student interaction online with that many students is just going to be impossible. The only time it really did work was for one of my subjects where at one point near the end of the semester, only 14 people were turning up for the Zoom lectures. So at that point, you could have quite a close group that, that have semi-usual interactions.
1: Your second year engineering, what else are you taking?
0: Um, so I've been taking a mix of math and chemistry on the side. Um, it, just, uh, it goes well with my degree, so I don't mind taking it, but I had quite a few gaps in my um, timetable coming into uni
1: engineering is not hard enough
0: (laughs) Uh, well i mean you could also look at it as that um engineering isn't much without the um input and um and uh information from other subjects
1: have you always wanted to be
0: an engineer pretty much um there wasn't really much thought that went into which field I'd choose by the time I did get around to choosing it because I'd wanted to be one for pretty much as long as I remember. So you're doing chemical engineering? Yep. And well, specifically that one too. I mean, uh, one of those math subjects I was taking alongside engineering, They had so, so few students in the um, Zoom lectures. And it came to the point where, I mean, I was one of the people that would show up uh, to the lectures you'd also get quite a close uh, relationship with the lecturer, which is quite mm. happy to have at the same time, because that's something you didn't get to have uh, unless if you really sought after it um, when, when you had physical unit. Because when you start a, a lecture online and um, has, and you're a little bit early, a few minutes early, uh, you're, you're just sat there with uh, the lecturer on the other end so you can <laughs> chat about whatever you like.
1: And you get an insight into their house.
0: That too. That was a cool one because I had a subject where the course coordinator um, would find things from around his house. This was for another math subject. Uh, stuff like his bass guitar and um, other little things he had lying around, and he would use them in the examples, um, which was quite cool. And, of course, I think most lecturers the had pets showed them off at least one point <laughs>
1: So how long did it take them to get back into running practicals and labs and so on?
0: Uh, That was pretty much done by um, June, I'd say. Like, pretty much everything was back on course by June. Um, Oh, actually, no, not June. Um, Well, a, a a lot of the facilities were open by June, but not everybody was back until semester two, so that would have been around July. So I'd say... Around then, everything was back to normal. So did they Which move was quite good, relatively speaking.
1: Did they move all the pracs to second semester, or did you just not have the practicals for the first semester things?
0: There were some subjects they just did away with it. Um, there because they break subjects up into semester one, semester two. Um, but for a lot of the um the other subjects later on in your degree, like in engineering, when you become more specialized later on, you do tend to have far more practicals, and they are very important. So at that point, they know what everybody's schedule is because everybody's doing the same subjects in in a given discipline. So at that point, they just pushed them to the end of the year because they did trial doing them online with like little interactive programs, and that flopped after the first try (laughs) because it just wasn't the same. And of course, it doesn't compare to the hands-on experience of, say, working with machinery in a mechanical workshop or something like that which i just had to do um last weekend and stuff like that so that that was that was just saved for the last half of the year as far as i know it went quite well you
1: had to actually make something out of metal
0: yeah um yeah That that's quite funny you wouldn't expect that for a chemical engineer but i guess we lie kind of in the um the intersection of the non-physical and the physical side of engineering so we, we get to have a little bit of both. Um, so if you have software engineering, they don't touch the mechanical workshops, um, but they still, they, they still pass on a lot of coding experience into our degree to supplement uh, their side. And then of course, because uh, we're kind of a physical engineering discipline, we have to do what the, um, uh, the mechanical engineering students have to do as well with um, the mechanical workshops um Like last weekend, we just finished off making a hammer <laughs> from scratch out of steel. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually quite. Fun. I'm glad I didn't miss out on that because of a pandemic.
1: And it's it's a, it's a real hammer. You could hit things with it. And
0: um. yeah, no, it's a it's a stamp up. It's a it's, um, hammer made entirely out of steel. Because um although it took quite a while to make, the entire thing was that it was supposed to be a demo of how to use. Um, all of the uh, relevant machinery in your average mechanical workshop. So, with that particular choice of item, you tend to have quite a, a few examples of, say, where you can use a milling machine or where you can use a wave and so forth. And then at the end, you get to make a hammer and you get to take home.
1: <laughs> you'd be you'd be hard pushed to argue that the your dog ate your homework
0: when your homework is a hammer. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose so. But at the same time, who would not want to have a hammer?
2: Bubble sprite of the forest of Orokadui, Diniden's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
5: Kia ora koutou, nami arohanou kia koutou koutou. Hope you're all having the best day. Beautiful to stars, the love of the universe. no really hope wherever you are and whatever is this journey you want is proving to you, rewarding, sustaining, illuminating for you more each day. You are triumph of nature's art, unique and here making better. Thank you. So as we know we've all been moving through this challenging and fascinating stimulating Time together for more than a year now. How wonderful! We celebrated our birth together, and I'm so grateful. It was time that we've shared, and I know that for all of us, we have had to learn how to care for ourselves, how to care for ourselves under very difficult circumstances, very different circumstances, and fundamentally, this self-care, this turning towards ourselves, I think, is so beneficial. And if nothing else has been gained from this time, which I know many, many things have been gained, this fundamental return to ourselves and to self-care is so so helpful and so, so. And of course, for all of us, as we possess a unique consciousness, co-evolving alongside all life in an infinite web, of course, we are all bringing something new into this world and we are all requiring something different from ourselves to honour and meet who we are, care for ourselves. And of course this can be different. Every single day we may require something different. And for me, it's been a very interesting time learning to live on my own, something that I really love now. And of course Harvey Penfold is wanting to return to Augy Porty Stun Eden. We shall see what unfolds. But for me the ability to be able to live alone and enjoy it is really a great pleasure and privilege and something i'm very proud of and an aspect that i really enjoy is the sense of peacefulness and quietude which i find very recharging and i hope that for all of you you're able to find some time and some space in your own life for this quiet reconnection and something that i've been loving doing in these times of recharge it's actually crossword puzzles and something I haven't done for a long time but I really really enjoy and I was thinking of course that for all of us life can be equated to solving a puzzle and in fact here we find ourselves in the symbiocene this time where we are symbiotically living alongside so many other life forms creating networks and connections so that we can support and help each other that just like this vast puzzle, this vast crossword puzzle, each of us contributing our knowledge and our understanding to help bring new clues into fruition, into, into solving, having these solutions and I think that we all possess with our unique consciousness solutions, we can see solutions, all of us in different ways and not only bringing of course, verbal knowledge and being able to communicate, but also bringing the ability to be flexible when we are approaching one problem and we're not immediately able to solve it, that we are able to move on, that we are able to seek out another aspect to make better and to solve. So I really hope that for you, whatever puzzles you are solving at this time, you can see that you possess all the skills you need to do this. And I really hope that you're getting some quiet recharge time too. And I look forward to talking soon. Thanks so much. Ke You're
1: listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Eric Becker.
3: Eric, um, I've been long fascinated with what inspires young people to make the choices they make in terms of their education, jobs, all that kind of thing. Do you remember... What led you down this path in the first place, and sort of around the age that you were?
0: Yeah, I suppose I do. I mean, uh well, it, it, it seemed quite obvious from the days in the sandpit back in kindergarten that I'd become an engineer eventually. um I, I basically ran the sandpit. I was I wasn't willing to share with any of the the other kids. I was a little bit of a nightmare as far as that. But um, no, it it just seemed like. I had a lot of positive experiences throughout primary school with the teachers I had that seemed to push me in science and math. And then that continued on into high school. My sister studied chemistry, um, chemical engineering uh, also at UC. So she did the, the same thing that I'm planning to do. So, um, yeah, it just seemed like there was a lot of influence and a lot of support in that one area. And um, my favorite subjects and the subjects that I was, um, you know, best cut out for were the ones that were useful for it. So it just just seemed like from very early on it was getting in that direction.
3: Do you think that you would have had the same success if your teachers hadn't identified um, your natural bent towards this and and helped push you along? Um, I
0: don't know. I, I no one can say for sure, but um, I know that it was it was definitely always going to be there because um, I always well long long before I was recognized for it. And it was it must have been only like year four when the teacher pulled me aside to to do my own there. Um But before that, it just seemed like um, it, it, it was those specific areas that were uh, the ones that I was meant for. So. Um, They definitely made it obvious to me, I'd say. Um, I think the the reason why I wouldn't say that chemical engineering was something that I had been pushed in the direction for would be because at the same time, it could be argued that I would have uh, instead decided to do math or chemistry as a degree rather than chemical engineering. And I still think maybe that probably would have been uh, better suited as far as just subject performance goes which is what the teachers would have recognized but um at the end of the day it was something that i just it, it was it came down to what i, I found interesting and that was um, more hands-on um and like more of a problem-solving approach to what i would end up doing one day
1: is that what excites you about it that the challenge of those that problem solving
0: oh yeah definitely um As much as I like uh, uh, being involved in science and seeing what um, other people have contributed in the past and um, basing my study off of that, uh, I don't think personally it gets more interesting than solving problems in real time, which is something that engineering is all about. Um, So that, and, and also just being involved with other people as well, because you get quite involved with um, managing teams and uh you know just just interacting with other people on a given project all of that is something that is quite unique to engineering um or at least engineering has a very unique variety of that, which I just find really appealing.
1: Do you have a vision in mind for where you want to apply your your chemical engineering?
0: That is something that i am <laughs> that I have not actually figured out yet um because it's, it's really difficult to say where somebody does end up in chemical engineering. Um, there's just such an enormous variety of places you can end up. And most of the time, someone's not lucky enough to choose. So, I mean, especially in this economy. <laughs> um, as far as where I end up, I just hope that, well, I know that I'll just obey the, um, the, 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 the ethical standards of what engineers are meant to be as far as solving problems and not creating them. And I think that's the best I can do for now.
1: Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have David Bowie, Starman. Why this one?
0: See, this one contrasts the first choice in that. It's a a song that still reminds me quite a lot about Lockdown because it was not a song that I actually stumbled upon until one of my friends played it while we were playing pool during lockdown, which we did a lot of. So uh, it was one that cropped up quite a bit throughout that time. I think some of the themes of the song also uh, work quite well with the the general feeling I have towards the song. But yeah, that's that's, what reminds me of that the time.
2: Loud sound that seemed to fight Came back like a slow voice on
1: Wednesday morning, watching the S11 go up and then not come down in the fog. Yes, The Starship, SpaceX Starship.
0: Ah, okay. No, I was not, unfortunately. Was that, so you say Wednesday morning. Um, well, in that case, I would have had a massive test, yeah. So <laughs> that probably be a bad idea. <laughs> um, yeah. No, um, as much as I find it fascinating at the same time, um, yeah, it, it probably would have been a, uh, probably was a good move on my part. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you couldn't see anything anyway. It was all foggy. We've seen lots of societal change over the last year. I used to say the last few months, and then it turned into nearly a year, and now it's a year. Yeah. What do you think is going to stick, and what do you hope will
0: stick? Um. Well, I mean, let's say that our generation has had a quite, quite well, uh, pretty much right up until last year. I think that's one that most people can agree it was a genuinely difficult and challenging year for everyone, and one that was quite unique to our generation. One that we would have to grow up through and experience the um the long-lasting uh, ramifications for uh, long into our futures. So. I think that sense of perspective is something that will be long lasting, and is is genuinely going to provide us with a valuable lesson, um, of exactly what uh, a sense of normalcy is in your life, because it seems like every other gener- generation had one. I mean, you had the generation that struggled through the financial crisis, and the generation that struggled through, um, you know, the Iraq War and the um the wars in the East, world war II, cold war so on and each one has a set of its own lessons to to give but only well um and now we get to have all the associated lessons of what it's like to um to struggle through a pandemic that was arguably bound to happen at some point i mean that in itself is a valuable lesson because we haven't had one in recent memory that has it's such an impact.
1: Do you think it's going to affect your generation's view of things like their careers, that sort of sense of uncertainty?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I I, I wouldn't, um, I, I would definitely give our generation the credit of having that kind of insight into um, careers in our futures, because um, it's, it's. Well, with, with working from a distance, the, the biggest issue that, um, or I guess sense of uncertainty that will, we will be posed with is the idea of that becoming normal at some point. Because if you can reach a stage where all of your duties in the workplace can be completed from a distance at home, and that saves on facilities, and it makes um, the entire workplace run more flexibly and so forth because it's not, on, not in a physical location and they'll apply to a lot of us and university students are going to uh, largely the um you know uh technical fields in, into our careers the ones where um you know thinking and consulting and um, communicating can be done quite easily online from home then There's no reason why companies can't continue that into the future. And that's quite a substantial change. That's um, one that we have yet to figure out whether um, it does shake things up quite as much as it possibly could. But um, yeah, that's that's probably the the biggest uh, thing, or at least those that are paying attention have on their mind at the moment. It's exactly what the workplace will look like in the next few years, because even after such a short span of time, it could look drastically different from what it does now.
1: From your perspective, do you think that the, we we're going to see a return to a a business as usual, not just in a business sense, but but wider, or or, or is there a new normal that's somehow different?
0: Um. Well, my first, my first thought would be that um, with such a you know a, like a world shaking. It, event as this this pandemic was nothing is going to be quite as it was As I, I i would imagine that's just part for the course that there would be long-lasting effects um into the future because uh there hasn't been an event like this in the past or at least of this this magnitude that hasn't left some sort of lasting effect on society so as much as I would like to see a business as usual in some respects, not all of them, because we have learned quite a lot from this. Um, I, I, I don't think that's exactly what we will find in the coming years.
1: In terms of what we've learned from it, do you think that we can learn anything from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger sorts of questions that we face, things like climate change or social injustice?
0: Um, perhaps. Um I'd say that the the biggest lesson we had to learn from the pandemic is just having, uh, just just having an appreciation for um, the the ones that give dire warnings about, say, uh, um, a certain country's um, unpreparedness for such a, you know, such such a large disaster as a pandemic, and then uh, you know the, those warnings not being heeded. Because in the case of the COVID pandemic, um, the research goes back decades, warning that um, certain countries' pandemic preparedness plans were not up to scratch, and that there was a, um, in, a, a largely, um, uh, well, like a, there, there was the risk of a pandemic that was not something that could just simply be brushed aside as a, a freak incident when it, when or if it does occur. So. You could extend that to um, many issues that we could face in the future. I suppose you could consider climate change to be a similar one, though um, at least it seems like we have learned to a large extent from the pandemic in terms of awareness, because um, last time we had such a, a large scale awareness of the spread of disease on a large scale was Probably, during the Ebola pandemic in two thousand and fourteen, in which case you had a disease that um, it still shook the world. I mean, not not in terms of the fallout, but it, it got it got um populations a little bit concerned about what it would be like to have the pandemic spread and affect people's lives. But um we didn't really learn much from that. there there was no, and it wasn't even that. It didn't even have that much of a fallout for other countries, so uh, that largely went unappreciated. Whereas you have, before the um, the impending effects of climate change, you have gigantic movements that have uh, sprung up in recent years um, to to try and uh, take action against another impending disaster. So it seems like at least a decent a decent bit has been taken on board in terms of our approach
1: did the communication that the government used around the the pandemic things like the be kind message the team of team of five million did that resonate with you
0: yeah no um that was I, i definitely got that sense from the people i caught up with after the pandemic it seems like compared to other countries our general population did take a sense of a sense of kindness and camaraderie on board, whereas, and I'm, I'm not entirely prepared to just um, you know blame other countries for not sharing a similar sentiment with their populations. Considering that, for a country like New Zealand, we we had it so much easier than other people across the world. Um, when you do have such a um, such a Disaster like the pandemic, people will start to feel um, claustrophobic after several lockdowns, or frustrated that their um, financial security is at risk, um, or that they, uh, you know, they they aren't they they aren't allowed to have the social contact they used to have. Um, so I'm not entirely uh, ready to just um, claim that New Zealand had it that much better because of you know our, our, like the the government's messaging for kindness and so forth because we we genuinely did have it easier than the rest of them but i did feel that i heard stories of people that would go out for um exercise in the mornings and then they would stumble across groups of people socially just dis- distancing in large circles having conversations with each other um st- stories like that where people are just genuinely being friendly i heard stories of people offering um to share food that they had collected through hunting with their neighboring communities and so on um there was a general sense of uh you know like there was a general sense that we were a team as, as a country so I, I have, have
1: some food. i have some questions to end the show and almost negative time to do them so we shall have to rattle through them what's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years
0: the biggest success I had was, I would say it would be um, completing five subjects uh, at 200 level in university as a 17-year-old. That's what yeah. I would say.
1: Yep, Everybody would, I think everybody would say that's a success. So what's your superpower?
0: A superpower?
1: Yep, has to be a real one. You can't like have... You yeah, you can't have flying or laser no. eyes unless you can
0: do those things. I mean, if I could, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I just that's, that's, quite, that's quite an interesting question. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Do you
1: consider yourself to be an activist? No, I, I don't consider myself to be an activist. So what motivates um, you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
0: Uh, mo- I'd say that As far as being an activist goes, I haven't come to the stage where I seek, I mean, everybody has an impact on other people's lives, but I don't seek to have an impact on other people's lives. But I try to do what's right as an individual. So that's what motivates me, but I wouldn't necessarily call it being an activist.
1: So what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Uh, (laughs)
0: Looking forward to? um, Biggest challenge would be my finals. I can't say I'm looking forward to them, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I would say, yeah, um, just almost finishing my degree, that's something I can look forward to and would be challenging.
1: <laughs> and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
0: Advice for our listeners. Um, I would say that if you consider the time you spent mucking around during lockdown with all of those missed opportunities to have you know, regular interactions and just like, you know, try and better yourself or what you do on a day-to-day basis, trying, you know, your productivity, you know, you know, at work, you know, your health, all that stuff that uh we took for granted and realized last year. I'd say that if you just looked back at the situation you found yourself in this time a year ago and saw the ease in which you could make that better given the 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 normal and uh, better circumstances we have today. I'd say that uh, you'd be silly not to take it.
1: Thank you for that. Moera.
3: Uh, Eric, I'd like to gift you with uh, a superpower based on my observation of you. Um, that I, I think you have two of them, your self-belief and your <laughs> optimism. And I think those are remarkable things to see in a person who's at this end of your life and oh. I see a really clear leadership path ahead of you. And um, I hope that you can find a lot of other young people who are just like you and inspire them in the same way. I think you have got you're you're a wonderful young man. It's really lovely to hear you talk today and thanks for joining us. Thank,
1: thank you. Thank you very much. We're going out to Smashmouth walking on the sun.
6: Thanks. Right. Act now, surprise
1: You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Tim and I'm Azores, Eden and Edwin, with Eric Haritai, Fakitani, and Dr. and in Rickerton, I think, Christchurch, Eric Becker. We hope you enjoyed
6: the show. You might as well be walking